0: This is Pastor Lawrence Taylor from the Kenilworth Baptist Church, and this is another episode on Reflection on the Scripture. This is part two of a study I began last week on the controversial film From Hebrews to Negroes. Uh, The um, series is, or the, the film, Is uh, came to light because of the controversy with the uh, famed basketball player uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, This is a film that is uh, put out by Amazon Prime, uh, and I began to do some discussion or reflection on the film last week. Now, the film is very controversial. Um, Irving... Uh, had to apologize for posting this film, uh, and as a result, it has caused a great deal of discussion. Was Irving treated right? Uh, Is he anti-Semitic? Is the film anti-Semitic? I mentioned that the film is certainly against Askenaziism, uh, that is, uh, Jews who are white, because the premise of the film is that the original Hebrews were people of color. They were not Europeans. But let me say as a whole, having gone through most of this uh, film, uh, that it is it does present problems. Let me, let me tell you why. Because if you're going to talk about Judaism, if you're going to talk about the ancient Hebrews, uh, the Israelites, it's probably not a good idea to use Adolf Hitler as a source. I mean, I, I would suggest that you don't use Adolf Hitler as a source. And that's exactly what is done by uh, Ronald Dalton in this, um, in this production. They cite some unknown document that he can't really furnish, where Hitler's actually making laudatory statements about black people. I mean I mean that is totally far-fetched. And he not only cites people like Hitler, but uh, the um the fort um Henry Ford. Uh, Henry Ford was certainly known as a vicious anti-Semite. The Model T, the the, uh, the Ford cars. He was uh, uh, known as an anti-Semite. As an industrialist, one of the top industrialists in the United States, he supported Hitler. He he sent money to Hitler, uh, and then. I would not also uh, quote uh King Leopold II from uh Belgium <laughs> uh, as making any laudatory statements about blacks. Let's look at exactly what uh, King Leopold did to the people in the Congo. When they couldn't produce enough rubber for him, he cut off their limbs. Uh he committed genocide. Uh against the Congolese. So to cite these sources as sources that confirm that blacks were the original Jews, let's get something straight here. As far as Hitler was concerned, there was only one group worse than the Jews, and that's black folks. He accused the Jews uh, of committing the crime of bringing the Negroes, that's what he said, into the Rhineland. That was one of the accusations that he made against Jews. The Nazis rounded up about 22,000 Afro-Germans, put them in concentration camps. They uh, um, used forced sterilization against them. uh, In some cases, they uh, performed vasectomies on men without even giving them anesthesia. Uh, do you think Hitler liked black folks? <laughs> okay, He said that one of the great dangers that the uh, Jews were doing by bringing blacks into the Rhineland was exposing them to German women. Uh, this would result in niggerization, in bastardization. Uh So uh, Hitler did not like black folks. Now, he may have made some comments. I'm still trying to find out what his comments were, uh, that the original Jews were black. I, I don't know where that is because I, I need a, a, a source that can corroborate that. But that's one of the problems with this production. Uh, it uses sources that cannot be corroborated. Uh, So it quotes, for instance, Josephus, Flavius Josephus, uh, and some source known as uh, uh, Hellasis. Hellasis II, H-A-L-O-S-I-S. But that's a bogus document. Um, If you want the works of Josephus, Josephus wrote the Jewish Antiquity, he wrote the Jewish Wars, uh, and uh, he uh, wrote a short little bi- biography himself. But in terms of some of these other stuff, this, this uh, hellosis uh, is nothing more than an Afrocentric document uh, that does not uh, go back to Josephus. But if you cite that as your source uh, to confirm something, that takes away your credibility. And I think that is one of the other big problems with this production. It uses sources that cannot be corroborated. So why would a historian even give credence to this kind of thing? I'm not saying everything in the film is wrong. I think it gets us to think about the fact that the ancient Hebrews were dark-skinned People, We see that based on what we read in the book of Genesis. Uh, I'm going to talk about another passage today, but, but in terms of my own evaluation of this, uh, this film, this documentary, uh, while there are some good things about it, uh, the most troubling thing about it, the thing that is most problematic is its source material. These are sources that cannot really be authenticated. These are not uh, sources that we would rely on as, a, as historians. So that's why it's problematic. Uh, and again, you know, you can make any claim you want to. Anybody can go out there. Internet bloggers do that all the time, make claims. But when it comes to people who have, um, who want, something that's credulous and something that's um, truthful, then you need to have sources that are reliable sources. And that is uh, the problem, again, with this production. Let me suggest this in terms of uh, this uh, from Hebrews to Negroes. Um, I think the premise would be uh, that blacks of the original Jews and other dark people, they are most likely the likely candidates to be Jewish uh, than these Europeans who they sort of depict as Johnny come lately to Judaism. The other thing is that, that the film makes a distinction between being Hebrews and being Jews. And they argue that, uh, you know, um, Abraham was not a Jew because the term was not in use then. Isaac was not a Jew. um, That Joseph was not a Jew. uh, That those terms uh, are never used. But they're absolutely right. Those terms are not used. But the word Jew comes from Judah, people who were from the tribe of Judah. Now, the kingdom was divided. That is the the, uh, Israel was divided. It was divided to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Northern kingdom was known as Israel. The southern kingdom was known as Judah. This happened after the death of Solomon. And what happened was the Jews were taken into captivity. Uh, They were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. That is Judah, the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was already destroyed by the Assyrians by the time the southern kingdom was taken into captivity. And after the captivity, this is known as the post-exilic period, period after the exile, the term Jew was derived from Judah to describe the Semitic people. So that term uh, became uh, in use in the Old Testament. You could see it in the post-exilic literature. Uh, You can see it in Ezra. Uh, You can see it in Nehemiah. Um, So it is a, a biblical term to describe Uh, this group of people who made a covenant with Yahweh. Uh, And so there's nothing wrong with using the term Jew or Judaism to describe this group who are descendants of Abraham. Film does not share that information uh, because it has an agenda. And its agenda is to show that Everything Jewish is bad Hebrew's good, Jews bad All right so that kind of sophomoric approach it does not work uh it, it, it's just not um, viable uh Jesus was a Jew. Let, let me uh point out a very important passage I believe in the New Testament. It's a key passage, uh, and it's found in the book of Acts, in chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse uh, 25, uh, this is the story of the evangelist Philip and when he meets in Ethiopia. So we're told in verse 25, so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now, the they in that case is referring to the apostles, specifically Peter and John. In contrast to that, it says in verse 26, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. What's interesting is that Philip carried on a very, popular evangelistic campaign uh, in Samaria. The Samaritans were part Jews, part Gentiles. So he apparently has been very successful in that campaign. But God tells him now to leave this very successful campaign and go out to the Gaza in the middle of the desert where no one is. So that seems to be a very strange thing. Why would God interrupt an evangelistic campaign where many were being saved, were getting baptized, uh, were confessing Jesus, uh, and then he interrupts that campaign and says, stop, go out into the middle of the desert when no one is. But let's note how Philip responds. In verse 27, it says, so he got up and went. All right? He had no questions. He was willing to leave these, this successful campaign to follow God's command. And so the evangelist, Philip, got up, and it, so he said he went, and now note the next line. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candice, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. That is a lot in verse 27. Let me point it out to you the first thing is that we are introduced to a man. And the first thing we're told about that man is that he's Ethiopian. And I believe it's referring to the country where he comes from. And the reason why I say that is because you have Candice, who's mentioned here, here, uh, who says, queen of the Ethiopians. So here's Philip, meeting an Ethiopian man. He meets a black man. Now, note, he left large crowds to go out to meet one man in the desert in the middle of the day when it was extremely hot. But something else we're told about this man. It says that he was a eunuch. A eunuch simply means that he was a castrated male. this uh, men would use this way so that they could devote their full service uh, to the government official. And so that's probably the case here because this man was, had a high position. He was sort of like the secretary of the treasury because it says he was a court official of Candice, queen of the opians who was in charge of all her treasure. So therefore, he must have been the secretary of the treasury, of the government. So he was a man of means and influence and power. But there's one more thing we ought to note in verse 27. It says, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, what does that mean? It means that he was a Jew. That's what it means. It means that this man was a Jew. I am taken back by the commentaries, not only the old commentaries, but even modern commentaries that all describe this man as a proselyte, that he was a Gentile, but he converted to Judaism. I even read some commentary, some of the old ones, that said that the man wasn't even black. Well, remember the term Ethiopian is used by the Greeks to describe someone of black skin. So he's certainly a black man, but he is not a proselyte. He's not someone who was a Gentile who converted to Judaism. There's no need to, to, to even argue that because archaeologists and anthropologists tell us that Judaism in Ethiopia can be traced back close to 3,000 years. So it's been practiced in Ethiopia for centuries. So note this is Ethiopian, he came to Jerusalem to worship. So that means that he was not a God fearer, not a proselyte a proselyte, but he was one who was a Jew who came to worship. He was uh um obviously a, a man of religion who who believed in uh the Hebrew God and uh he worshipped him. Most likely he was born a he was born a Jew, his family was Jewish, uh and And so we we got all this information about him. What is also significant about this man, before I go on, uh, is that we're told uh, he was in a chariot. That also lets us know uh, that he was of utmost importance. Now, Let's uh, note in verse uh, 28, it says, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. That may have been the scripture that was read at the synagogue at this season. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. So Philip ran. No, no, note the eagerness of the evangelist. He doesn't walk. He ran and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? So Philip initiates the conversation. He runs up to the man's chariot and he says to the eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? And then uh, we're told, Um, In verse 31, and he said, well, how could I, unless someone guide me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. Now, for all of those who are familiar with the scripture, you know that it's taken from the book of Isaiah chapter 53. And look at the question the eunuch asked. The eunuch asked and said, please tell me of whom Does the prophet say this of himself or someone else? Now, there's the choice, two choices. Either the prophet is talking about himself or he's talking about another person. Today, Isaiah 53, for the most part by Jews, is said to be uh, the whole nation itself that the passage is referring to the whole nation. This interpretation will not do. The man asks the question, is the prophet speaking about himself or someone else? So it's either him or someone else, not the whole nation. And when this Ethiopian asks that question, verse 35 says, then Philip opened his mouth And began from the scripture, he preached, and beginning from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. So this was a door that God opened, and he got a chance to tell him who Isaiah was writing about. It was about Jesus. And Philip said in verse 37 If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So the Ethiopian eunuch says he accepts this. He believes that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. And as a result, he was baptized and he got saved. Now let me tell you what the significance of this Ethiopian eunuch is. In Acts chapter one, Verse 8, it says that you shall be my witnesses. This is what Jesus says. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. The Ethiopian eunuch represented the uttermost part of the world. That is how Ethiopia is described. The ends of the earth. This eunuch, this Ethiopian, as majestic and as regal as he was in his position, was emblematic of the whole Gentile world. And the gospel goes to him. Although he's not a Gentile, he comes from a Gentile world, a Gentile nation. And the gospel goes to him. It lets you know God was fulfilling prophecy that he made to the end of the world. But what is also significant is that this was a Jew. Judaism, like I said, been practiced for years in parts of Africa, not just Ethiopia, but in other parts of Africa also. So, you know, that's where that film from Hebrews to Negroes is important because it tells us that. But it is also significant to note that God uses a Ethiopian to actually help the transition from Christianity being primarily confined in Jewish quarters to now reaching out to the Gentile world. So the... Ethiopians played a very significant part. Blacks played a very significant part in biblical history, in ancient history. Uh, So um, I would suggest that we look at sources that can be corroborated, uh, and this is uh, a good source that we have uh, in terms of the scripture, because we believe that the scriptures are infallible. Okay, so that's all I wanted to talk about today. Thank you very much. Hallelujah, salvation and glory)